welcome to the CityWire Ratings Radar Show. Uh, we're back after a summer break. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and hopefully all the team who are around me did. I'm Richard Lander, and we've got Nisha Long, Frank Talbot, and Angus Foote, as usual. Uh, what is unusual this week is we're going to mark today's publication of the CityWire Alpha Female Report for 2021, and we're going to look into that uh, rather than look into any particular asset classes. Uh, and we're very lucky in that Nisha and Angus were both central to this report. Angus coordinated it, edited. Nisha did all the fantastic work to analyze uh, what has gone on, whether things have got better in terms of female representation in the asset management industry since last year. Uh, so on that note, Angus, uh, tell us what's what. Yeah, so what's what is that uh, we have seen over the last 12 months the largest increase we've seen so far in the percentage of female fund managers in our database. Um, but having said that, it's still a very, very long time before we'll see parity uh, between the two genders in, in portfolio management. I think last year our projection was at the rate of change we'd seen up to that point, it would be 200 years before we saw uh, parity. Now, um, adding in that slight increase over the past 12 months, it's now only 127 years. So uh, good news of a kind. Um, it, it, the, it, the slightly better news is that uh, if we continued to see change at the rate we've seen over the last 12 months, it would only be 48 years. I think, Nisha, I have that correct. correct. So yeah. some of us some of us might just make, well, say some of us, some other people in this group might just uh, just survive long enough to see gender parity. Probably not you and I, Richard. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, uh, at that rate, I, I would get my telegram from the Queen <laughs> marking my 100th birthday before before we saw any of this. So, Well, you know, we're all living longer, so fingers crossed. But, uh, I mean, let's, let's just hope the rate speeds up. Um, the, the last year has been a real transitional year, I think, uh, you know, in so many ways, isn't it? So, so perhaps next year's report will be the most telling of all. But, but this year's, um, I think the, the things we picked out this year of most interest, and Nisha, perhaps, you, you know, you can talk a bit about this, but the, the mixed teams aspect, the rise in mixed teams that we've seen over the last um, six years that we've been doing the report. I mean, there's been a steady rise in the percentage of mixed teams. Uh, Nisha's done some really good work to analyse the performance that... Um, we've seen from mixed teams and the benefits that can bring. So, so that, that faith that asset managers are putting in mixed teams does seem to be a, a clear acknowledgement that diversity works. So there's a positive to take from it. The other thing that was really positive, I thought, was that we have shown this year that there's been a big change in the assets under management um, overseen by the elite women managers. So the AAA rated women managers are now almost on a par with AAA rated men in terms of the assets that they run and go back even two years. I think it was almost, I mean, it was just not a lot over 50% uh, of the asset size that the male managers are running, um, that female managers ran, if that makes sense. Uh, so that's a big change. And, and that suggests that, that, that asset managers are kind of putting their money where their mouth is and backing the female managers that they have. Uh, Nisha, I don't know if you wanted to talk a bit about the mixed teams 
Uh, I'm sure you have lots of things you could talk about. but uh... mm -hmm. I think, um, so the first time we did performance doubts related to mixed teams, mixed gender teams was back in 2018. And we did see that on a risk adjusted basis or the amount of risk they take took to get their total returns, mixed teams as the, a management structure um, had the best returns on a risk adjusted basis. Um, this was compared to... Um, um, sole man solo managed funds and also the other teams like women only and men only. And we've looked at it again this year, over three years and five years, and we have the same results um, coming forward um, per unit of risk taken. The total returns achieved by mixed teams has been better than other management structures that we've looked at. And um, this year also, we had a deep dive into maximum drawdown, so the amount of the maximum loss, you know, during a period. So I took that back for five years on a rolling yearly basis. And that again showed that mixed teams have, you know, the lowest drawdowns and the lowest risks on each of those yearly periods. And for me, the highlight of that was looking at COVID, the COVID pandemic. So one of the year periods in that includes that. And it was again the mixed teams who minimized um, losses in a portfolio and had less risks compared to all the other management structures. So I, I think this just shows you that even though, you know, mixed gender teams are on the rise, um, that's at the demise of, you know, solo managed funds. And we all know why that is because of star manager risk. You know, a lot of companies have been hurt in the past with, a you know, a star manager leaving, taking their assets with them or, you know, the reputation of the company, something happening because of a star manager. Um, so I think um, just teams in general have risen in our database, but mixed teams, I think that's a real positive that it's still going upwards, almost doubled in the last six years that we've been tracking the changes in our database in this way. And as I said, you know, we have performance stacks to back up that as well in a data terms. So I think it's good news on that side. One of the things I found really interesting there, Anisha, was there's always been this myth out there an anecdotal myth, if that's a, if that's a thing, that women take less risk or women are less prepared to take risk than men, and, and the data has shown us that that's just not no, true. No, not at all. Because um, so, just looking back at 2018, there was also a myth within our um, data set as well that women were taking less risk. And you know, fast forward that you know three years, and what we've seen now is over the five year period, actually, the ones who were the winners in this the management structures were women-only teams who've had the highest returns, but they've taken just as much as risk as the other man other management structures, you know, to get those returns. So it's not, you know, that is almost a myth buster through the stats that, you know, they, they still take risks. Some of these fund managers have started as traders, and I know some traders, and they have to take some risks. So you can't, you know, I don't see how that doesn't go hand in hand. Um, so you have to have you know, put your bets on, you know, certain stocks, for example. Um, and that is risk taking. You're taking a risk with those stocks, in a sense. Um, you are doing the analysis behind it. But, you know, you're still putting your faith behind something. So that's still risk taking. So I hope that um, in years to come, you know, you can debunk that myth even further. Another thing uh, that's interesting, and Richard, this, this might be something you, you have a view on. The um the rise of mixed teams has gone hand in hand with the kind of the decline of the sole, the solo, the solo manager or the single managed fund, which I think is, is I think only just over fifty percent of the funds in our database are now 
managed by a single manager. And there's been, so it feels to me there's been a recognition that diversity works in terms of decision making and mixed teams, but also you've, as you've alluded to, Nisha, there's this decline in the, in the, in star culture. You know, we just, people are just moving away from the idea of the, uh, you know, the all powerful, all seeing individual portfolio manager. They just don't want that, that risk. And it's not just a knee jerk thing in reaction to a couple of big bust ups, it does seem to be a, a, a real long term trend. Mm, can't can't imagine who you're thinking about there, Angus, in terms of solo male managers whose reputations took a bit of a trashing over the last couple of years. Well, I mean, there are actually examples everywhere. I know. Obviously, we all cover different markets, and we look at we look at our own investments as well. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm sure Frank would have examples of people in the US who have. Uh, who have come a cropper or have, have sort of whose halo has slipped a bit over the last five years or more. Um, yeah, I mean, I think anyone anyone on the on the value tilt for the last decade, their their sheen has come off pretty pretty significantly. But I would agree with what you're saying, Angus. I think the the shift to mixed teams is so profound over this period that. The, the asset management groups must know it makes for a better team. You know, it must be con- concrete internal evidence to suggest this is the case because it is more than just moving away from the star manager culture because that problem is, has existed all the time I've been in the industry, which is not as long as, as you, Richard, or Angus. Um, but yeah, certainly I, that's, that's been a problem that asset management's wanted to move away from for some time. But the, the moves that we've seen since 2016 are dramatic with a doubling from, what is it, 5% to 11% or 12%? It's around six point eight percent. So it's to, to sort of twelve ish. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. almost doubled. Yeah, it's a it's it's yeah it's, it's a massive drop. I'm interested also in this uh, the the huge jump in the average AUM uh, run by women. That's just for the AAA rated uh, set of individuals, is it? Yeah, I mean overall, I think the, the, the there's still quite a wide disparity between men and women. But I, 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 again, Nisha, maybe you can you can sort of delve into this a bit more for us. I mean, one of the things that we used to find. Uh, looking in the, the, the alpha female data was that women often ended up in niche sectors, or they were, you know, they were given given sort of I mean, niche sectors, Japanese smaller stocks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and the, you know, the, the other thing, the, uh, sustainability and ESG was an area where you found a lot of women, and so actually, the the fact that those, so I guess, Nisha, my question would be: to what extent has that asset size growth been influenced by the fact that? that areas where women have traditionally been quite prominent have come into vogue. So, you know, China, for example, there's a there's a much higher percentage of female managers in Asia. A lot of people, a lot of money going into to Chinese strategies. It, 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 you'd expect that to be reflected in the assets, the same as sustainability. Is, is, is that the case or is this a real broad-based um, um, change that yeah, we've seen? Yeah, so it has been a mix, which is good to say as well because um, – some of the assets have gone into global strategies. So the bigger sectors that we talked about before about, you know, the AUMs are larger in, for example, global equities or European equities. So women are more prominent in those areas now and have gathered those assets in those areas. But as you mentioned, um, as we've said in the report many for many years now, it is the smaller sectors and the more niche sectors that uh, female fund managers have, you know, are dominant. For example, in equity Thailand, you know, equity um, China, Asia Pacific bonds, you know, all those Asian 
um, really niche, you know, country specific kind of areas. And one of the areas, as you mentioned as well, China has seen masses of assets going into that sector, whether it be bonds and or in the equity side. And the female fund managers in the sector, they have, you know, had the assets going towards them, especially over the last year that we've seen. But also, um, for example, healthcare has seen a lot of money going in as well. So there's quite a few prominent healthcare managers in, on the female side. Because of the COVID pandemic, there's a lot of money going in there. But also, as I mentioned, US, Europe, you know, global equities, the bigger sectors, we're finding more and more female fund managers here as, you know, they're coming through the pipeline and they're, you know, becoming AAA rated, for example. Um, so I think it was in, last year we had around 22, something like that, um, AAA rated managers, and that's almost doubled this year. So you can see that pipeline of female fund manager talent, you know, coming through the ranks. And that's very encouraging to see. So a couple of aspects I'd like to bring up. One is in your report, there's five uh, CEOs uh, uh, quoted talking about plans for female retention plans. Two of them are women. Now, we all know that 40% of asset management CEOs are not women, so this is not a representative. But, you know, BNY Mellon, Franklin Templeton are pretty big shops. And I don't know if you saw presenting the prize to the wonderful uh, Anna Radicanu on uh, uh, Saturday was uh, the female head of JPM Asset Management probably going to be the next head of the whole bank so they are getting up there they can bring these issues up uh and they're you know being a ceo means if you do bring the issues up people listen to you and do something about it rather than say yes very interesting and go off and do nothing about it yeah i i, I think um i think there's a there's, there's a very interesting uh, change that, that that i've seen just really in the time that we've been doing this report, which is only six years. So I, being being brutal about it, I think that in the past, a lot of CEOs talked the talk and there was a lot of, you know, people said the right things about equal opportunities, but really didn't actually do a lot about it. And, and actually, I don't think they trusted the female managers in their stable w w with the level of assets that they trusted the men with. It was as simple as that. But I do think... Talking to those CEOs that you mentioned, Richard, I, I, I think the will is genuinely there now to effect change. I think they genuinely want to, to, to move to a better gender balance. I just think the problem is that it, it's a very, very slow process. It's a very difficult thing to fix quickly. And people haven't done enough to fix it in the past. And you have got CEOs now who, who really are working to address this. But you know, you can't magic up top-performing portfolio managers overnight, can you? Mm. And, and the other thing, I guess, is is that, you know, it's a case of physician heal thyself. I mean, because they'll be banging on at the companies they invest in to get more women on the board, more women in senior positions. And if those people, you know, the CEO of, I don't know, Barclays or the CEO of, uh, you know, Shell, say, well, how many women have you got at the top and running your money? And they say, oh, well, yeah, funny you should mention that. They've Absolutely. About, Absolutely. About but our, our New York team have been involved in, in um, a, a really interesting initiative over there where some of the big gatekeepers are drafting or, or putting their names to something uh, similar to the Rooney Rule. Mm. Where you know they're they're committing. So these are the these are the biggest private banks and wealth managers in the world. 
And they're committing, their fund selection units are committing to making sure that there are um, diverse, that there's representation of a diverse range of, of but not just, not just gender diversity, but a diverse range of backgrounds and ethnicities on their selection lists or on their, um, on their, on their recommendation lists. And they are now actually holding the asset managers to account on this, or, or they're increasingly starting to. So I, I think that is going to be, if that continues, that's going to be very, very powerful. And, and, and that it goes exactly to your point that if you are an asset manager and you know, you're, you're going and talking to investee companies about their diversity, well, you know, you've got to have evidence that you're as diverse as you're asking them to be. And guess what? Your, your client is asking the same thing of you. Also, it's also looking at those companies and they need to look inwards before they look outwards. I know, you know, ESG practices have, you know, really accelerated over the past year. And that includes, you know, diversity practices across the industry. But I think, you know, it, fund selectors especially, I think they need to ask the questions to those asset management groups. You're asking all of these questions to the companies you invest in about diverse boards, you know, gender pay gaps, you know, things, those kind of questions. But what are you asking yourself? You know, Look inwards before you look outwards. Ask yourself those questions first, and then I think that's what a lot of companies are doing at the moment, which is good to see. But I think um, what we've also seen over the past year is measurable targets that they have, so they're made even more accountable for what they're doing. So people are looking at, you know, the percentage of females coming through their door, and how many are promoted, you know, what is a gender pay gap, for example. So these are measurable targets with data so they can't hide from those but fund selectors are asking those questions now um you know of the asset management groups you know who and plus who are you investing in you know to get that round view on diversity mm, yeah if anna snyder of merrill lynch bank of america comes along how, how much is control angus three trillion oh, off the top of my head i don't know but it sounds that i think you're in the right ballpark <laughs> yeah and she says, "Where you know, where are the women in your team? Uh, you've got some difficult questions to answer." Uh, well, I mean, she's she's saying if you can't show that you have a diverse uh, a diverse stable of portfolio portfolio managers, we will deselect you. Which is, I mean, if 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 they follow through on that, well, you know, that's going to have an effect pretty quickly. Yeah, interesting. I wonder, Nisha, uh, and you know, we could go on for hours about this, and. Uh, I think it was Bill Gates who said about technology, and if it wasn't Bill Gates, I apologise to everyone listening. That you know we underestimate, we overestimate what's going to happen in five years. What is it? Mm. You overestimate the short term and underestimate the long term. Essentially. Exactly. Is this playing out here? Do you think? Thank you, Angus. I'm sorry. I mean, it could be as well. I think um, it's going to be a long process, and that's for sure, you know, how we're going in the process of change in fund management. Um, I'm hoping with the effects of last year, with um, certain lockdowns, you know, in the economies, you know, we have, well, men, females, everyone has proven that you can work from home and you can deliver, you know, in certain um, industries. And I don't think that's any different for fund management. I think, you know, fund managers have proven that they can do some of their work from home. And I think that the flexibility of that can help, you know, going forwards, because that's always been, you know, a question in people's minds about flexibility of working. Is that holding women back or even men back, you know, coming back into fund management? For example, for um, female fund managers going away on maternity leave, 
if they're not offered that flexibility, um, you know, they come back in a different role, not necessarily any lower than a fund manager, but going into, you know, research or strategy and not going into fund management itself. But I think if we can fix that, you know, with a flexible working, you can see it works. Fund managers were delivering phenomenal returns during lockdown period, you know, so it they can still trade, they can still work. Um, I know that people do need to speak to each other and face-to-face is good as well. So that just having that flexibility to you know go forward. And I'm hoping that next year we might see an increase in numbers because work practices are changing. Right. I mean, sorry, carry on, Angus. I, can well, I was going to say, I was going to respond to your Bill Gates quote with another uh, a quote, which I often, I often see and hear, but I've never seen attributed to any specific individual. There's a... There's a, there's a saying, societies grow great when old men plant trees, which is usually used in the context of kind of, you know, climate and ESG and the environment. But it's also true here, I think. Maybe these CEOs that we're talking to are the ones that are planting these trees now. And, and what we're seeing in the numbers that Nisha is describing are the first kind of green shoots that are going to grow into that tree. But uh, whether we have to wait 48 years or 127 is, uh, I guess, a moot point. Yeah. I mean, just to your timing piece, Nisha, and sorry, Frank, I'll, uh, you know, I didn't, I interviewed a lot of fund managers over the last year, and not one said, do you know what? I really missed the two hour track to Heathrow, the three hour delay, going to China to see six companies. Uh, you know, yeah, there's obviously something for going to see people's factories and meeting people face to face and so on. But honestly, it consumes so much time. And if you can spend that, amount of time at home doing extra research making yourself a better fund manager whether you're a man or a woman it has to be said you know it, it has it has to pay pay off in the long run i think sorry frank i didn't mean to interrupt you don't forget the resources it costs to you know fly to china uh, actually i was i was i was talking to a fund manager the other day he was saying that when they do manager meetings in somewhere like thailand or taiwan they uh, they end up staying up forgive me if i've said this before they end up tilting their whole day, their team of analysts towards the, the, the night. So they end up wake up, wake up in the night, do all their meetings and they're asleep. They're poor families. So actually there is something to be said for being in the same time zone uh, for that. But I was just sort of pondering whether or not the, the effect of having arguably the most well-known investor in the world being female for the first time that I can remember I mean, in Kathy Wood, Hopefully that has some some impact on on uptake and, and whether or not the groups will trust women with sizable assets. But I think they are, Frank. I mean, I think they do. I, I, I think I think that I think that battle has been won. I think the problem is really one of pipeline and retention. I mean, the, the things that Nisha's mentioned. I think I think you know. Firstly, you, you need a you need a healthier pipeline of people that a more balanced pipeline. Um, and, and then more than anything, and, and I think the pipeline bit is that, you know, people have started, most of these groups will tell you their intake is 50-50 at graduate level. It's how they, how they move people up through the senior, senior echelons and, and how they keep people, uh, you know, how they keep female managers once they get them to, to a position where they're running money. It's retention and turnover are the, are the, the key things, I think, Nisha. No, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, you know, we have measured the turnover rates, you know, between male and females. And, you know, it is lower for females. And I think we did say last year, you know, some of the reasons behind it. Um, but I think, you know, if you 
they want to keep their female fund managers working at the companies. You have so many initiatives going on now. Um, for example, you know, mentoring programs, you know, you have quite a few networks out there as well, female networks, where, you know, you can speak to somebody in senior management or in fund management and have that experience. You know, as they say, there's a lot of males in this industry. And sometimes you just, you know, as a female, you just want to see somebody who looks like you, you know, so it is that, you know, connection as well, just having that confidence to be yourself and having others that look like you as well. You know, there is that, you know, that's the inclusivity bit of diversity coming into it, diversity and inclusion. Um, But also, actions like for example Aberdeen for example has a gender action plan so you know they are trying to increase a gender balance within their company and that was started what four years ago but you can see those kind of little things feeding through and working so um I was a part of the gender diversity once judging panel and some of the questions we did ask these groups who were shortlisted were what are you doing what are your measurable targets um what are you doing for males and females you know is it easy for a man to even go on parental leave you know so that you know can they can share they want to be there with their children as well have you ever asked them you know if they want to don't assume that it's just going to be the mother you know just those kind of you know really tough questions to ask them is have you taken this into consideration um but you know, there are a lot of policies and targets out there now, um, which you can measure, which I think is a step forward to keeping these female fund managers, but also retaining the male managers as well. Cool. Uh, look, I think we could go on for hours, uh, but we might wrap up there because I think it's been a fascinating discussion. Uh, the, the report is out. Uh, if you subscribe to the Ratings Radar newsletter at ratingsradar at citywire.co.uk, we'll provide all the links you need to see the report itself and the stories that CityWire has written about it and the very wonderful video, uh, Nisha, that you produced with, with our new marketing team. Uh, so great to be back and great to be back on such a positive note because i think it is positive that progress is being made however slowly so thank you to nisha frank and angus as ever and we'll be back for the next edition of the ratings radar show in a couple of weeks 